0: so excited to welcome you to Real Woman, Real Torah, a project of Bacetta Learning Center. We're here to offer you an authentic Torah learning experience, produced for women, by woman. I hope you enjoy. You know, in an ideal world, right, you know, we want to be able to like access all of our natural abilities and talents and like inclinations. You know, it's kind of like listening to your inner voice, you know, like we wanna we want to express ourselves freely we want to find our own you know um you know what what I personally feel passionately about or I personally identify with and we want to express that like sort of un, unfiltered um and and like in you know I guess at this point in time right we're not like even though that part of ourselves is, like, contains this very powerful force, right? And and it's something which we needs to be utilized in our Abbaidah's Hashem. The only way we can access it right now is through our Nefertal Kiss, right? It needs to be guided very much by the framework of Tire of the framework of Halakha, the framework of like what, you know, like we have to, like, we could only access that through listening to the voice of the Nefertal Kiss. Like, it has to be guided by the Nefertal Kiss. Like, we can't access the power that's contained. In the Nefeshah Bahamas directly. Like we can only access it by like being in tune with what the Nefeshah Kiss wants. What the Nefeshah Kiss is sort of telling us about what like our tr- tr- you know our true purpose is really about. This episode is sponsored by the Green family, Chava and Chaim Aaron Green, in honor of a Rafu Shalema for Mayor Bashana and a Shidduch for Avigal Rus Bas Shoshana. Hi everybody, welcome back. We're gonna be learning uh, the first mimer of Terah Aram, Parshas yishlach And we're going to be exploring the story of Yaakov um, reuniting with Esav decades after their uh, very dramatic episode where Yaakov takes the, the blessings and Esav is very angry and wants to kill him. Um, and Yaakov flees. And now he's coming back with his whole family with him and they reunite. Um, so we're going to be analyzing the story of their reunion and sort of like the underlying message behind this, this reunion, like what's this all really about? It's sort of, it's more than just a reunion of brothers. It's about this cosmic, um, uh, drama that's playing out in this, in their individual lives, but it's something that really represents something much larger. Um, this mind was also a direct continuation of what we discussed in Parshas Toldays where we started this whole discussion about Asav being rooted in the world of Taihu. Um, we spoke more about Asav, not so much about Yaakov, but here we're going to also bring in Yaakov as a contrast to that and how Yaakov is rooted in the world of Tikkun. And this, my specifically is going to address what was the goal of Yaakov in trying to unite with Asav and what that means in terms of the union of um, the world of Taihu and the world of Tikkun and what that means in our own personal service of Hashem. So, maybe we'll start by reading the story, the psukim in the beginning of the parsha, because um, that's going to be the basis for this mimer. And the mimer is going to really go like pasuk by pasuk um, every step of this story um, and what each of them represents in this more mystical understanding of the story. So, so at the beginning of the parsha of Yishlach Yaakov Molochim LaFarev, Yaakov sent um, messengers before him, El Esav Achiv, to Esav, his brother, Artsa Seir Sedei Adam to the land of Seir, um, the field of Adam. V'yitzav Isam Lamer, and he commands them, saying, kai this is what you should say to my master Esav, kai amar Avda Yaakov, this is what your servant Yaakov says, im Lavan garti ve'echer ad atad, that I have, I have been living with Lavan. And I was delayed up until now. And I have with me um, oxen, donkeys, sheep, um, servants, and maidservants. And I am sending you these messengers um, to tell my master um, uh, and try to find favor in your eyes. Okay, so this is sort of Yaakov's initial gesture to Esav, trying to, you know, make peace with him. So the messengers go ahead, and then they they come back, The and then the, the messengers come back to Yaakov, and they say, we came to your brother Esav, and he indeed is also coming to meet you, and there are 400 men with him. Okay, um, so it's the implication is that Esav is not coming with the same you know positive feelings. He's coming because you know he's coming with this you know, to wage war against you. So the and Yaakov becomes very afraid. He's very distressed. And he divides all the all of his family and all of his animals into two camps. And he says, and he says so he. Sort of reasons that if ASA will come and attack one uh, camp, then there will be another camp remaining um, that will survive. And then he sort of says like a, a prayer, to Hashem. and Hashem um, and says, Avi Avram, the God of my father Avram, but Yitzchak, and the God of my father Yitzchak. The God who had said to me that I should return to my land and to my birthplace and things will be good. Um, And then he goes on, he continues with this whole prayer. He says, I am humbled by all the goodness that's happened to me. And then the next passage, please save me from my brother, Esav, etc. Okay, so that's, that's, sort of the, the main part of the story that we're going to be exploring. Um, so before we actually dive into the text of the Mimer, um, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of Taihu and Tikkun a little bit more. So again, we like, um, we introduced it in the Mimer of, uh, of Parshas uh, Um But here we sort of are going to go into it into a much more depth. So I guess the key um, distinguishing feature is that Kabbalah describes the, the, the distinction between the world of Taihu and the world of Tikkun is that it says that in the world of Taihu, there was a lot of light and very few kalim, very few vessels, a lot of R and very few kalim, while in the world of Tikkun, there's a lot of kalim, there's a lot of vessels, um, but very little light, a lot of very little R. So I think, you know, I've been translating literally kalim as vessels and R as light, but I think... The, tra- the literal translation isn't so useful <laughs> in understanding what that really means. Like, what are we talking about when we talk about light and vessels? Um, so just to give a few examples of, of what, what we're talking about here. So, um, like what is, what is light and what are vessels? So for example, you know, when you're, when you're speaking to somebody, right, you're trying to convey an idea. So there's wor- the words that you use and there's the idea or the emotion or the you know, whatever it is, whatever meaning you're trying to portray through those words. So there's, right, so there's your intention, there's the idea, there's the, the feeling, the emotion, and then there's the words that you choose to express it with. Um, so the, right, so that 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 concept, that feeling, right, that's all the R, and then the words themselves are the kalem, are the the medium through which I convey that meaning. Um, another example is like, you know, you might have somebody who has like a business idea, right? Like I had this, this concept, right? This sort of this, this, um, this creative idea, right. Of what, what kind of, uh, you know, a vision that I have for this business or this, you know, mission that I, that I want to create. And then there's like the practical strategy that I'm going to use and like the steps that I'm and the, and the procedure that I'm going to follow in order to actually actualize that vision. Right. So like the vision is this, or this sort of like amorphous, um, you know, uh, it's almost it has this infinity to it. It's formless. Um, it's not like tangible in any way. And then I, the kalim are sort of the means that I use to, like, actually allow that that thing to to actualize itself. So what does it mean to have to live in a world of tayo? World of tayo is a place where there's a lot of art, but there's not a lot of kalim, right? So there's like I have this, you know, I have a very intense. I'm, I'm going through a very intense emotion right now, right? I'm experiencing something very, very powerful and it's, it, it, the, the emotion is too difficult. It's too powerful. It's too overwhelming for me to be able to convey it in words, right? Like it's not, I'm not able. So like I might say words, but there's very few, if there's words at all, there might be no words at all. But if there are words, there are very few words and the words don't really fully contain. They're not able to fully contain that emotion, right? As opposed to the world of chicken is where I'm able to actually process that emotion, be able to convey it, be able to, to spell it out in a very like eloquent and clear and systematic way. Right. You know, in a sense, it's almost like, I think of it like the difference between like poetry and prose, you know, like poetry, there's more R and less Kalem, as opposed to like prose where there's more Kalem and less R, you know, where like it's almost more about there's, we're kind of choosing fewer words to convey a more, powerful or more profound idea. And in a way, when there's fewer Kalim, it's often when we're, we're trying to convey a more, um, more transcendent idea. There's something that's more like, the reason why it's difficult to put Kalim to it, right? Put words to it is because it's, it almost sort of transcends that as we're going to see in a minute with the word of Taihu, that it's the lights that are contained in Taihu are, are makif, right? They're from a more transcendent place. Um, so, so, right, and in the world of Tikkun, right, that's where, where there's more kill. There's, 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 there's sort of the, the ability to process that or and to convey it in a very concrete way. Okay, so let's go inside and talk about what does that mean or how do we see this in the lives of Yaakov and Asav and, and what does that mean for us? So the opera begins, um, Yaakov sends messengers before him to Asav and we're going to sort of focus on that word Lafana specifically. Um, so in general, Yaakov, his source is from the level, the name Ma, um, which is the world of Tikon. okay? While the, the the root of the soul of Esav is from the world of Taihu. Now we're going to go on to describe a little more what does that mean? Right. And the, the light that exists in the world of Taihu is very great, it's very... Uh, you know overwhelming but <laughs> like it's so intense that it's not able to be contained within the kam then so it sort of removes itself it's 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 it doesn't it doesn't stay contained in the kelim, why because they are they are transcendent right they're makif, they're they're coming from this more supernal space that that's not evil right it's not just that they're again, we don't mean, like, in a quantitative sense. we mean, like, qualitatively, they, the light that exists there is not able to be contained within, within Kalim. But and that's why the Kalim broke, right, this is this whole idea of Shvira sa and they fell down here, right, and I think maybe a way we can understand this is going back to the example of, like, the words and the meaning that I convey through it, right, with, you know, if you, if you, if somebody is like going through a very intense experience or they have a very like, you know, abstract idea in their mind and they're, and they don't have the words to convey it, the listener who's hearing it very easily can misinterpret what the person says, right? Like if they're not spelling out, they don't have enough Kalem to really explain what, you know, the idea or the emotion that's going on inside them, then those, whatever Kalem they do have can very easily be, be misinterpreted, misrepresented um, can end up being warped. Right. Or similar going back to the idea of like, you know the business strategy, right? So, like, if if I have this very brilliant idea, but I don't have the proper strategy to actually carry it out, I end up with chaos. I end up with like, you know, the whole thing can fail and can just blow up and like not actually pan out the way I intended um, because there aren't kalim, right? So, the world of tayu when there's like so much r, but there aren't kalim to contain that r, then then there's sphere, there's there's and it ends up just breaking down. It doesn't it doesn't last. Um russia, which is why. Asav, in reality, the way he existed as a human being down here, he was a Russia, right? He was an evil person. But from the perspective of his original root source of his neshama in the makif of tayyu there, um, you know, in his initial source, the light of tayyu transcends the light of Tikkun, right? Like we said... Yes, down here it can be that that light can be represented or mis, misunderstood or, or or warped or corrupted, but in its source, it's obviously coming from a much loftier, more transcendent place. Um, okay, so now we're going to get to okay. So this is just a little sort of a little description of what Yaakov and Esau, what their what their what their source is and what they sort of what they what they personify um, in their lives. So now, what's, what's sort of Yaakov's agenda when he's sending these messengers? So Yaakov um, thought optimistically, <laughs> maybe he's you know, in, in a sense following in his father's path and sort of having this optimistic view of, of, of Esav. So he thought that Esav was already had already been refined, and had already sort of returned to his original source. He would already reached that level of makif, of tayu that precedes Tikun. That's why Yaakov sends these messengers of before him, of mamish, literally before him, meaning like to a place that's higher than him. Right? He's almost trying to like reach out to a level that that transcends himself meaning he's trying to reach for a level that's higher than him, which is of his brother. Um, which which um, Sayer in general um, is sort of representative of these um, primordial kings of Taihu, which I think we actually um, brought this up in the Mimer from Toldice, right, where the Pasuk in the Torah that is sort of the um, the like an allusion to the to the world of Taihu is it says the where it says that there were all these kings who lived in the land of Edom before the Jewish kings lived there and those kings it says after that they all each of those kings ruled and then died so those kings that rule before the the Jewish the, the Jewish kings rule those represents the 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 world of Taihu that eventually collapsed right um, so here also right Asab is sort of a representation of that, of that world. makifim, which is a level of makif, like we just said. elav So what was Yaakov's agenda? He wanted to sort of draw down that level of makif of tayu to, into himself um, uh, within his uh, world of tikkun. Shu ar What's the world of tikkun? It's all about this internalized light, right? The way that the r becomes internalized and processed and, and, um, Able to be conveyed right through the kalim, right. So his whole goal was what was to try to unite these two worlds, right? To bring that, like bring that transcendence of the world of tayu, but make it internalized and processed and and, um, like, um, like concrete, <laughs> like the way it is within the world of Tikkun. So he that was sort of his agenda with this, um, with reaching out to so
1: to bring the broad lights. Or the broad energy into broad vessels, so that they can then be utilized. Right. As opposed to the big energy in the two small vessels, because he has the big vessels, but not, but not that the energy. massive energy.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So he wants to channel of's energy through his own, through his own almost, you can say almost powers of communication.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to go through each of the like the subsequent psukim and like show how this theme is sort of coming through in each of the um, first in Yaakov's initial message to Esav, um, and then we'll see later on in th- th- what he does when he's preparing for for the for war with Esav. So, so that's why he commands the messengers. Right. That's why he says, you know, go tell my master Esav that I live with Laban and I have all these animals and, and maidservants servants with me. So what was he really saying? He was trying to convey to Esav, um this message that look, I've already completed my work. Like the world of Tikkun has already has already been been complete, you know, been rectified and complete um, in the ultimate way. So all these different levels, the, the oxen, the, the donkeys, the sheep, the servants, the maid servants, these all represent different levels, um, spiritual levels within the world of of, of Tikkun, which, um, different levels of Klipas which he has rectified through the world of Tikkun. Okay, so he's kind of saying like, I've done my part, but now, and now I'm ready for you to, to step in. Um, all of them have been, you know, refined and rectified through the name Ma, which again here is reference to the world of of Tikkun. right? And that's why he's saying they've 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 come to me. They've become. I've taken ownership of them. What that conveys is this idea that I've I've elevated them to the level that I'm at in the world of Tikkun. So how does all like how was I able to do all this? Because Im Lovan So there's this idea in Kabbalah that love um, comes from the word like like love like the like the color white. And this the color white um is sort of a reference to Ari and Hashem's infinite light. Um white whiteness is the absence of color, and which is sort of conveys this idea that Ari and is this, is Hashem as he is transcendent above any form any specific image or form or or characteristic right like this does say the spirits um of are the way hashem is conveyed in a specific form you, know, you could say metaphorically like through a specific like the way a light would come through a specific color um, while whiteness is that our insight which transcends any specific form so he says how how was i able to accomplish this mission of refining all of these levels of um because i lived with love right pirish bihinat laven al meaning i access this level of the supernal whiteness shimisham hay ikkar kai khashafa yaqif bal almatis lavar talking call right that 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 gave me the power and the ability to rectify everything within the world of the tzaddikim the kevedekin and therefore she nikmar benisla malakha tikkan but since i've already completed the work of chicken in, in its entirety now like i'm ready and i'm 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 like I'm a, I'm a fitting place for you to um for the the level these transcendent lights of Taihu to to dwell and to come down because had Yaakov not already been in a complete you know whole and rectified place um he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't be like uh ready to access that level of makif. Why? Those are her rights. That um, blessings cannot rest in a place that's empty. It can only rest in a complete, in a full place. Now that he's like completed his, in a, in a complete state of rectification, now he's like a, a fitting, like a complete space where he's fitting and he's he's sort of ready to be able to access that level of makif. Um, so he's saying, that's why I'm sending um, like this message to Esav in order to find favor in his eyes. Like meaning, he, Yaakov wants um, him to to sort of um, direct <laughs> the energy of Makif uh, to Yaakov in within the world of Tikkun. and that's what it means. Like he's trying to find favor. It's not meaning he's trying to sort of um, request of him to to sort of channel that energy towards him. mipnei meaning since i already have the you know i've already rectified all these different levels This i've already you know transformed darkness to light i've done this process of mirror within the world of chicken now i'm like a, i'm a complete you know vessel i'm a complete you know um space um you know in which you know the makif can can come um, so therefore, I'm, I'm fitting for to find favor in your eyes that you should rest the, these levels of makivim on me. Um, okay, so I guess maybe one idea here is that, you know, in general, there's other places, you know, I know, for, for example, in the Ma'amur and and Ranat, um, it talks about, a lot about, um, the worlds of Tayu and Tikkun in the context of, you know, Bittol and Yashas, the concept of like humility versus arrogance. And, you know, specifically how Asav is the source of the Nefesh of Bahamas and the Nefesh in general come from the world of Taihu, while Yaakov is, is a, a representation of the Nefesh of the Kiss, which is rooted in Tikkun. Sort of the the goal in our, of our lives is for us to merge you know, not, you know, we're, we're given a nefesh Hamas for a reason. We're given, you know, animalistic tendencies um, for a purpose. And really those tendencies that, that sort of selfish, self-centered inclination in a sense comes from a much more powerful source than the nefeshulikis, right? The kiss is sort of very much directed towards, you know, wanting to do Torah mitzvahs, wanting to, to, to sort of be, um, uh, you know, follow the path of Hashem, but, but in a sense, the, nef- the that sort of more self-centered inclination that we have allows us to access something much more powerful, much more intense, much more transcendent than the kiss can access on its own. So one of the things I was thinking about in you know, this idea of like, Yaakov can only access the power of Asab if he first rectifies himself, is like, you know, I think often we have like characteristics or talents or like, whatever, personality traits that are really valuable and powerful and like have so much potential. And, you know, we don't want to just let go of those things, right? We want to access them. We want to harness them in the right direction. But sometimes if we haven't yet like really perfected the kiss part of our lives, right? we haven't yet like trained ourselves, like developed that discipline and that awareness and that sensitivity to like to alikus, to godliness and to what's really what's, what's true and what's right and what's valuable, then trying to access those like inherent, you know, natural um, qualities before we f- we fully developed the, the beneficial kiss out of us, like it's going to backfire, right? It doesn't really work, right? The only way you can access the power of our natural, you know, animalistic selves is when we first like have fully developed the, the, you know, just like training ourselves to access our kiss in the fullest way and until we've done that we aren't able to access asev yet and as we're gonna see in this mimer in fact asev wasn't ready right like he wasn't in a place where he was able to to be accessed um which is why it didn't right it didn't really pan out the way Yaakov initially intended um as we're gonna as we're gonna see Okay, so what happens? Um, so now, Lamer. so now the messengers come back to Yaakov and they say, we came to your brother Esav, and he's coming towards you with 400 men with him. So what's, what are they trying to say, right? On this, again, on this, the level of the story that we're reading it, um, what's the meaning of that? So the meaning of, these messengers' response is <laughs> that even though you know on your end you're ready, you're fully ready to access this, these the level of makif of tayu. <laughs> Since you already like a, you already have this complete rectification of, of the world of tiken. <laughs> but what can we do? <laughs> that Esav is not ready. He's not. Like he's the one holding this, holding up this, uh this um, you know potential, you know cosmic cosmic union that could be happening right now. die in lamata because he's down here still in a state of brokenness. V'lein esparadai dying cloud. He's not rectified. He's not. He has not you know accessed his full potential yet. So there's no way you're going to be able to access you know, this, the root source of his neshama through, you know, and, and get this, the revelation of the Makaf of Tayu and all that, because he himself is not there, right? He hasn't reached that level himself yet. He hasn't accessed his own potential yet.
1: If Asav is all this like sort of raw potential, but he doesn't have the Kalim to refine it, how is he supposed to be reaching his own potential? Like it almost sounds like it's impossible. That the only way they can do it is through, is through Yaakov. So is it that just that this was not the time for the ultimate coming together, but it began the process of, as far as I understand, that throughout Gullus, we have been sort of refining Asaph's energy. And then when Mashiach comes, it will be the ultimate, like, I think Yaakov, it almost seems like he was preparing for Mashiach, that this is like going to be the, he thought that this meetup was going to be the the ultimate reunion between them. But, but he hasn't done any refining for Asaph yet. Right. So, so, right. It's a good question. I mean, what did Yaakov
0: think? I guess maybe Yaakov's mistake was that he thought Asa was able to access that on his own. And I think the reality is that Asa, meaning Yaakov has to be done through Yaakov, which is what actually happens, right? Once Yaakov realizes that Asa is not able to access his own source on his own, like Yaakov has to be taking the lead in
1: that process. But But didn't we realize this already from the Blessings? Right,
0: like, why didn't Yaakov learn,
1: learn or that Or maybe already? he thought that just through him getting the brachas, that was enough.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe. Right, I guess it could be he just thought that, like, you know, after all this time, maybe Asav had... Right, meaning just, meaning at the time, Yaakov had to get the, the blessings, because, like, Asav ya- wasn't ready yet at that point. But, like, maybe now Asav's ready. Like, maybe right. now he's able to, to right. like, you know, live up to his potential. And I guess what we didn't realize is that yeah, it's yeah. going to take the whole of his, you know, history to reach right. that point of Mashiach when like we could actually access that level. Um right. And the point is that at this point, well, yeah, let's let's see the next part inside. So, okay, so then, so then, so just to go back to the the response of the Malachim, so they say, "B'harayelz are the proof of this Shuba um, that Asav is still in this state of sort of this broken, you know, warped state that he can't actually access his source because he's walking towards you and there's 400 men with him. So the the number 400 um, represents uh, these harsh dinim that of klipa. Okay, so in some ways it's sort of a it's a representation of klipa. So there's this this line in the Zayher that says that um, there are 400 bate dinim, like uh, which I guess are the source of klipa, and that's what, what uh, that's sort of what they're alluding to when they say there's 400 men with him. They're re- re- alluding to the fact that he's still, um, you know, living in this world of klipa. Okay, now the, the, the next piece here is going to discuss, um, kind of go into that a little bit more and talk about how really these this number 400, we see that number 400 um, in Parshas um, with the story of Ma'ar Samach Pela, that Avram, pays 400 uh, silver shekel to Ephraim. To purchase Mars and those for that number four hundred is actually a holy four hundred. The like the word Kesef is comes from the word desire, which is you know this yearning and desire for Hashem. So that's actually like a four the like a a level of kedusha um, that that's being represented there. But you know that level of kedusha was has been sort of um, uh, uh, diluted and and kind of became sort of fell to the level of Klippa, which is what's being uh, referenced in this Pasuk about the 400. Men. Okay, so we're just going to skip that whole discussion <laughs> about the original source of this 400. Um, okay, so then skipping ahead a little bit to the word Ume'ata, okay? So Ume'ata, so now, okay, so after the Malachim's response, me'ata yada Yaakov, so now Yaakov knows she that it's impossible for Esav to, to give him from his source within Ume'ata Yaakov, what what he's requesting, because he himself is still, you know, you know, down here in in a much, you know, more lowly state. The only solution is that Yaakov himself is going to have to access the level of Maqib, right? So like what you just said, which is that, you know, it has to happen through Yaakov. Like Asaph is not able to do this on his own. Yaakov has to be the one to kind of um, initiate this process and, and you know, be guiding the process the whole way. Okay, so at this point, um, you know, we've set up the basic premise of the story, right, where Yaka's initial, um, you know, gesture to, to Asav is trying to accomplish this reunion of Tayu and Tikkun, and when the messengers come back and respond to him, they're basically, you know, telling him that's not going to happen. Asaph's not ready. He's not in a place where he can access his source in the Makif of Tayu. And Yaakov then realizes, okay, I have to do it myself. And I have to be the one to access those those lights of Makif on my own. And the, the whole rest of, of the Psycambe that we read this whole discussion about like how Yaakov prepares for meeting Aesop is all along that same theme, all along this theme of Yaakov trying to access the, the, this level of makif of Taihu. Okay. So the first thing we see is that, um, what does he do? He, uh, oh, we see that he, he splits his, his, um, the people and the animals, them into two camps, right? So what is two, what is the idea of two camps? So in general, we have this concept in Kabbalah that in the world of Taihu, the Spheres of Taihu are all exist in very individual plane, right? So you can imagine, you know, anytime, um, you know, if you're living in a space of your own emotion, right? And you're not yet able, able to process that emotion, okay? So like the emotion is very, very prominent and very extreme and very radical and almost like there's no space for anything else, okay? You have to give that example in the mimer of like somebody who's, you know, not let, not, not in such a, not so mature, or I guess you could say even not in such a mature space with that emotion. So the emotion totally takes over and there's no space for any, for anything else. It can't tolerate anything else, any, anything, any conflicting emotion, right? Or if you're, you know, feeling very, very, uh, you know, a lot of conviction about a certain perspective, about a certain idea, you know, it's very difficult to conceive of another perspective, another way of thinking about it, right? So there's there's a lot of aura, not a lot of Kalem. Every, every, Every perspective, every emotion, every meta is very one-dimensional. Okay, and there's no tolerance. There's no interconnectedness. There's no um, inter-inclusion. Right, as opposed to the world of Tikkun, where there's 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 more of this sense of. You know, again, when there's more Kalem, there's ability, an ability to process the emotion, right? Like once we could process an intense emotion, then you can tolerate. Oh, I can also handle an opposing emotion, right? I can be experiencing this and also experiencing something else at the same time, right? Or if I'm not so like stuck in my own idea, but I have more ways of like processing and 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 developing that idea, you know, um, then I can I can tolerate other ideas. I can see how it can how it can it can coexist with other ideas. There's less of this like one dimensional, you know.
1: Um, Um, basically it creates space for nuance yeah when you have something fully developed where you're able to you know see things in a more refined way instead of in their in their full in their full if you're seeing something only from, from in its full intensity then there is no space for nuance
0: exactly exactly so so the word of Tikkun in general, which in general the word of is associated with bital, with a like humility, with a sense of like giving space for another. Um, that all comes from there being more Kalen. So in general, the number two represents that world of t- of Taihu, right? T- two men's there's like two opposing forces that can't they can't coexist, they can't um they can't merge together, they can't right, they're each everyone's sort of living in their own their own, you know, line of of um, their own perspective, their own uh, uh mode without having being able to tolerate another one. While the number three, right, it says about the world of Sikkim that the spheres are are laid out in like three columns, right? There's like Chasa Gavura and then Teferis in between them. Um that's a and then side between them, right? So like there's always a third sphera which is combining the other two, right? There's like this constant there's a this ability for the spheres to, to merge together, to, to coexist, to, 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 to complement each other. Um, that exists in the world of Tikkun. So what's Yaakov trying to do? He's trying to imitate the world of Taihu, right? So he's splitting his his um, his people and his animals into two camps. It's sort of like he's trying to imitate the structure of the world of Taiyu that, and again, because he's trying to access the power, right? Again, on the one hand, we're talking about Tikkun and, and, and you know, all the positive qualities associated with these Kalim. But at the same time, the world of Taiyu does have an intensity and a power that doesn't exist in the world of Tikkun, right? Um, and... And he's, Yaakov is trying to access that that power.
1: So he's trying already to start the refinement in just the, the way that he's heading up his camp.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Very
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, just another interesting point that the mimer says is like we see this idea of three, right, in general with the Jewish people. The Jewish people are called an, uh, an Am Segula, right? So he says Segula is like the word Segel, like the like the actual um, a Segel, <laughs> like like the vowel um, is three, three dots, right? So, like, that's what sort of represents the idea that the Jewish people represent this, this unity, this, um, ability to unite, um, two opposites. All right, so that's one idea, right? Another thing that we see is that he sends these animals, um, to Asab as, like, a gift, right? And we see that they're not all kosher animals, some of them are not kosher animals, um, meaning it almost seems like Yaakov is, like, sending, like, bringing a carbon, but, not following any of the rules of karbanis that we have in the Torah, right? So they're, the animals are alive. The animals are—they're not right. They're not shechted. They're not all kosher animals. Um, they, um, yeah. So like you know, they're not following any of like the the, the restrictions that exist within Torah about karbanis. And the reason why is because again, he's trying to access the level of makif. and all those restrictions that exist within halacha. All come from the world of tikkun, right? Like the details of halakha, is the, the the framework that we have for halakha is all uh, sourced in the world of tikkun. While from the level of maketh, this transcendent space which is beyond all those details, it doesn't matter, right? It's irrelevant if the animal is kosher or not kosher. It's irrelevant if you know it follows all these specific guidelines, right? Um, from that perspective, we we can transcend all that all that that framework of tikkun in order to access the world of tayu. And the bimer just pointed out at the end that, of course. Jacob was able to do that, do it that way because he lived before the time of Moth and Tyra, right? After Moth and Tyra happens, we can no longer try to access some transcendent level, you know, by by just you know um avoiding the restrict the, the guidelines of halakha, right? The only way we can access it is through the guidelines of halakha once Tara is actually given. Um, which is what changed by Moth and Tyra is that now there's like sure this permanence, this like um you know, it takes on a new reality, those the Halakhis of the Tara. Okay. And then finally, the last thing here. Uh, sorry, two more things. One is that he he davens to um, he davens to Hashem, and he says specifically the God of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, and that's specifically because he's trying to access this power of Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, which also comes from the level of 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 Makef, right? Um, so he's also trying to access that level through through the the sorry through um, Avram and Yitzchak. And then finally, we have this concept of it says that he crossed, We actually didn't read this part inside, but he crosses the river. Um, and and then that's, that's where he battles the angel of asaph right? Um, and that also is the crossing the river. Also, the, the general Nahar is a reference to Bina, um, and you know, crossing over the river means like coming to a level that's beyond the source of Bina, beyond the level of Chachma, which is Makif. And then battling the, it says that he had remained alone, and he came, he went back. He remained alone, and he battled with this angel. And that's talking about how asaph even though he's trying to access the level of Makif, he's still Um, he still wanted to like sort of try to rectify, try to wrestle with Aesop as he is down here, right? He didn't want to just leave, you know, just try to access the supernal level without also trying to rectify Aesop as he is. Okay, so that's all sort of some of the spiritual significance of all those details of the story. Okay, now I want to go to the end, (laughs) Um, end of the mimer, because the end of the mimer starts getting into like, what does this mean in terms of our Avaita Hashem? Like, what does this look like in... Um, what does it mean practically for us to, to to sort of accomplish this mission that Yaakov had of uniting Tayu and Tikkun? So going to the end, here he says, Indian Kavanis Yaqib. Okay, so that's sort of what we're what we're up to. So to understand in general this idea of you know what, what was Yaakov's intention um, here, by by drawing out. The, this, this you know, transcendent level of tayu and bringing it into the world of tikken. And also let's try to understand this in, in our own practical service of Hashem. So he you to do it. Ya'akov who is teferis. We know that Ya'akov in general represents the Mida of teferis. What is teferis? What is teferis? Teferis is the Mida that combines two, the two opposites of chasid and gavura. Okay, so it's the ability to to unite opposites. That when we sort of you know allow two opposites to, to become merged together, who that is the that is, you know, what we describe as beauty, right? So again, we're trying to associate the meet of teferis with literally the word teferis which means beauty, that you, we find beauty in um opposites coming together. So like for example, with colours, right? right? What what is um what creates beauty in you know even in in color is when we can bring t- two opposites uh, opposite colors together right not just like one um, very I don't know the word
1: <laughs> um. we have complex colors like things that are that are that are again more nuanced if we're going yeah. get to that same concept as before which is that when you're able to bring things together and you have layers of of di- di- dimensional color. Right, exactly. I think also you can say it's a symmetry because when you're bringing two sides together, you end up with a certain symmetry, which is also beauty. Right,
0: right, Mm. right. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, primary colors on their own don't have that same, you know, beauty in our eyes as things that are able to, yeah, have nuance. Right. Right. Okay, so Vaham right? And we know that in general, that where do we reveal Aryan insight? Where do we reveal, you know, Hashem's infinite light is specifically in that middle path, right? In the ability to bring together opposites. So that's why what's Yaakov trying to do? He's trying to unite these two opposites, right? This transcendent energy of tayyu with this more internalized light of tikkun she's these are two opposite things that we're trying to unite together. And that's what's gonna you know access um Arian Okay, so now we're gonna explain this in our Avaidas Hashem. So to explain this, there's really two modes of serving Hashem. Right? So the first is this very fiery, passionate, you know, love. The Pardon and write this desire to escape the body, to you know, you know, metaphorically for the soul to to sep, you know, the flame of the soul to separate from its wick. This is this you know very powerful love. which which the the heart cannot contain that love. His um, The heart can't contain such an intense excitement. So that's why you know this lo- it, it, the the love can't be contained, um, or the person who has this love can't, you know, isn't able to to remain in the in the body, and he desires to just sort of leave and, and separate from it. Okay, so that's the first mode. The first mode is sort of this intense, um, passionate desire and love for Hashem. Um, and yeah, I think I think going back to what we were talking about before about nefesh Muhammad's and nefesh Kiss, like I think, you know, in general, this represents like the the part of our avodas Hashem that where there's like a self involved, right? There's like this sense of like, I'm, I'm attracted to this. I'm excited about this. Like I, I have my own personal passion in, in Elicus, in Kedusha, in, you know, my relationship with Hashem. But, but the second mode is, is when this sort of, this type of passion or excitement that's, that remains settled in the heart. And it's, it's main, I guess, like, what's it all about? It's about bringing alikus down here, like, into, in, into, like, a practical framework, right? With Torah Mitzvah, right? It's all about, like, how do I actually, like, bring Hashem into the world through Torah Mitzvah. This is the whole, like, you know, dance of Ratzei right. and right? So on the one hand, this, like, personal desire, like, my personal passion, my personal, you know, um, excitement or, or drive, um, towards in my relationship with Hashem versus like the sense of mission, the sense of purpose of like, you know, what, what am I, how am I actually like, you know, giving a tangible expression to that, um, to that relationship. So the world of Tayo in general is, is this realm of ratzai, l'chin nistalku iris which is why the lights, you know, like they, they they depart from the vessels, right? They're not able to be contained in the vessels there. right? The same way this, you know, this love, this passion, this drive that the person has motivates them to want to separate from their body. hu shuv, right? But tikkun is this um, this level of shuv, the hu which is this this sort of investment in, in practical practical framework of tarah mitzvah's. Right. This is coming coming with this 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 understanding of you know where Hashem you know wants us to live. Right. Hashem puts us in this body because he wants us to fulfill a, a purpose here. To be inside the body to draw our insight into you know these practical vehicles
1: of expression which Just, are the mitzvahs. Um, this I think part of this also is it's like. You can say the Ratsoi is working on just like a pure energy level where it's about like excite. It's about excitement that's spiritual, and then the shuv is like accepting the whole. It's getting your whole self involved, not just not just on a soul level, not just on an energy level, but the body's there too, and that's why it's shuv. It's returning, which means that it's the place where we're normally at. It's our home base where we like hang out all the time, which is in our bodies, in the world, versus the ratzoi, which is the sort of es- escaping into the excitement, into that idealism, which is necessary to propel us forward in our mission and to keep us almost motivated when we return back home into our bodies to keep on doing the work. Because as you said, you know, we're not necessarily interested in, in doing it all the time right and sometimes it goes against our will so there's a lot of excitement in mm. in like leaving and in having spiritual experiences and a lot less excitement in coming down back down to earth but we need the motivation from leaving to then come down and do what we're actually supposed to do yeah or not necessarily leaving per se but like sort of recharging the battery or getting excited or or creating creating enough it, it, um creating enough it's just filling up the, ba- um, recharging the battery so that you can then continue with whatever you need to do. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think like, um, I think you, we, we can see this like in any relationship, it's like this, right? Where like we, we want, like we we're like looking for the, yeah, like the excitement, you know, the, you know, the more, the more, you know, romantic or passionate side of it. But right. I think what, what gives it the most like long-term sustainability is like the day-to-day, you know, like how we're showing up on a day-to-day basis. And, yeah, and I think, right, I think again, like the description here of like this Abba Rabba, you know, wanting to leave the body, like, I don't know if you all relate it to it on that level, but I think even, like you said, like even just right. our desire to, we want to feel inspired, Right, we're
1: always looking for inspiration. Exactly. <laughs> Spiritual looking inspiration. Looking for inspiration, looking for spirituality. Yeah. Spir- yeah, spirituality, and I think- Do You need to feel something. In my relationship with the show, right, exactly. We want to
0: feel like excited about it or invested in it. Um, and, and I think the mimer uh, and what we're going to get to here is that like is right. We, we're supposed. We need to be both, and like, and there is it's power in it. that. Exactly. Like, yeah, there's a power in that you don't get in just like the practical. But I think, at, but at the same time, like the the sustainability, right? Like, what makes something actually gives it like real, tangible, um, like a way that you can actually
1: access it in your life. The only thing that allows for an, a relation to actually exist, the, the relationship in its inspired state is existing in your imagination, and it's not existing in reality. It's when it's in its more mundane self that it's re- existing in reality. But you also need the power of the imagination to fuel the reality. Without the power of imagination, the relationship just going to become stale it's going to, it's going to dissolve. It could go on for 30 years without anyone feeling anything. And then it's not real. It's not, it's not what you want from it either. So it's like, yes, obviously, like we're going to say how necessary that the excitement, the inspiration, the passion is, and how I think today more than ever, we feel no one's going to do something if they don't feel like it's in sync with their Bigger, greater self, and that they're they're feeling something about it. It's very difficult to find someone who's going to commit purely on like a Cabalasol level, and yeah. so it's important for us to realize to figure out how to tap into that. However, understanding that that like we like I said before is, is an imagination. It's it's it exists, but it's not it, it's not on Earth, and I need to it, I need to concretize it, or it's just going to disappear.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, I think that's what you said before about it, it, the shuv inc- incorporates like our full selves, like the part of ourselves that's not, right? Even the part of ourselves that's not necessarily um, there in those like moments of inspiration, like we're we're we're, inc- we're like bringing the relationship to that place too, you know?
1: Um, right. And sometimes we don't want to trust that Hashem wants that part of us either. Right. We right. think that Hashem wants just the inspired itself, but the truth is that Hashem wants the the show itself, even right. more than the than the itself.
0: Right. Like Hashem wants the commitment from you when you're when you're at a point when you don't feel inspired at all and you don't feel excited or passionate. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we're all gonna we're gonna relate all this <laughs> to a famous story in the Gemara um, that describes four four people who went into Pardes, right? The orchard, which is, you know, they, they had a spiritual experience where they saw, um, you know, mystical realities, um, and they all reacted differently. Right? So (laughs) this is the the, the difference between the four who entered the Pardes. So we only get to talk about three of them here. (laughs) I don't know why he leaves out Acher, um, you can speculate. Uh but he says Ben Azai hates his umes it says Ben Azai he you know he saw what you know he saw what he saw and he passed away. Ben Zayma hit his um it says about Ben Zayma that he you know he lost his mind. Um Akhar it says he became an Apacaris. Basham and Rabbi Akiva he entered in peace and he left in peace. Okay, so we're gonna specifically focus on Benazai, right? Why did Benazai pass away? So we're gonna give sort of a twist on this, <laughs> which is not like you know he passed away out of shock or whatever, right? right? So what was Benazai about? He was all about this mode of Ratzai, right? This extreme, you know, passion and and you know, love for Hashem. Right? Where his, his soul was literally like, you know, yearning uh, you know, to leave his body. He didn't want to sort of lower himself to this level of shuv. We know famously that Ben Azai never married. Why? Um, he said, you know, he, he wanted to learn Torah. Um, and, you know, he thought he didn't want to sort of be distracted by the the responsibilities of family life. And he said, you know, the world will, will, will be... Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, will continue through others, right? Other people will have children and inhabit the world. I don't, I don't have to be the one to do it. And that's why he, he passed away, right? That what happened, like literally his soul just left his body, right? He was, he, he, once he was exposed to this spiritual reality, it just like, it, it just pulled him out of him, out of his body completely. And and he, he just, you know, you know, um, to come to this desire to just want to go back to Hashem, right that was so, so powerful was his love
1: and in that state you don't feel the need for the body either it's the body is just uh it's just the distraction. it's it's a distraction right. when I'm yeah. feeling all this all this intense passionate feelings right towards God right
0: so, right. so right? but that's that's not the way of Torah, right like you know, we don't recommend that for people. We don't, that's not something that we value, you know, in a Torah lifestyle. Um, that the way of Torah is, is this 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 uh, mode of tikkun, right? The Shavish right? We're, we're created to, to, you know, to inhabit the world. Um, right? Against our will, we live. Hashem wants us to live in a body and to and to engage with the world. Kiva, he came from this world of tikkun. So he both entered in peace, and he left in peace. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So Mayim Nukvin literally means feminine waters. Mayim Nukvin means masculine waters. Um, and they uh, represent sort of these two modes of Ratzai um, and So he had these both modes of Ratzai and Like the perfect balance. Right? Like as, as, as intense as his desire was, he had like the appropriate measure of shuv um, to kind of bring him back. So, so that's why he says the word peace, right? Like he entered in peace. What does it mean he entered in peace? It's like peace in general means the ability to, you know, bring together two opposite things, right? To like make peace, to, to, to allow, you know, two opposing views to, 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 to come together. Um, so shalom peace is, is sort of this middle path. It's what allows to us to unite and connect these two opposite paths of, of, right and left, which is the ability to combine rutsi and shuv. This is, that's what like the mile of Rabbi was.
1: So it's like fully, fully synthesized together. Right. Basically.
0: Yeah. So like that's why he was able to, to arouse these feminine waters, right? What does it mean? That's what's, what, what, you know, described about him entering the parties. Um, uh, so he was able to have the, the balance of rati and shuv. So he was able to enter with peace, meaning go in with this, the feminine waters, which is this, 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 um, this mode of ratzai, but he also left in peace, meaning he also, when he left, he was able to also access that those masculine waters, which is this mode of shuv. Okay, so that's all describing Rabbi Akiva, but Benazai did not have that ability, but he did not have that right? but he you know, his root—he was rooted in the world of Taihu, which is—you know—these Taihu was characterized by these—you know—having two opposing paths, right? Where there's—you know—there's no—there's um, no nuance, there's no ability for different views to to to, to come together and to complement each other, right? Uh, like we said before about you know Yaakov splitting into two camps. So he wasn't able to like to, to like accommodate to. To incorporate within himself both modes of Ratzay and Shavu at the same time. So, as soon as he was exposed to this revelation, he just, you know, the Ratzay overpowered him and, and he passed away. Ratzay, right? The Ratzai was just became came too powerful. Okay, so now we're going to say this all, you know, what, what we now understand about Rabbi Akiva gives us insight into why Rabbi Akiva was the one who was the source for all of Tar right? That's why Rabbi Akiva. He's like the you know we could attribute all Tarschwa Pat to one single source, which is Rabbi Akiva, right? Because we know famously it says in the Gemara, "Stam Mishnah Rabbi Meir that you know anytime there's a Mishnah that's written without a name, we attribute it to Rabbi Meir." Stam um, Sifra Rabbi Yehuda anytime there's a Sifra that doesn't have a name, we attribute it to Rabbi Yehuda, and it goes on to list a few more names. Rabbi Akiva, but all of these people are all students of Rabbi Akiva, so. Everything that they're saying, all of these Mishnai, meaning any written text that we have, right, in the original Tanaitic sources, are all coming from students of Rabbi Akiva. So everything that they're saying is attributed originally to Rabbi Akiva. Because what is Tera all about? Tera is all about this idea of Tikkun. It's all about uniting Ratzay and Shuv. Um, like there's a passage that says describing the Torah it uses both the term "Yamin," which is the right side which represents chesed Ish is fire which is Gavurah. so we see that in one passage we describe Torah as both chesed and Gavura. it's like the union of, of two opposites so that's why Torah is revealed to Rabbi Akiva because he had that ability to contain, to contain opposites okay so that was a little digression about Rabbi Akiva, <laughs> based on that story. Now we're going to go back to our initial discussion about Yaakov. Right? What was Yaakov's whole agenda here? And um, you know, what does that mean in terms of combining Ratzay and Shav? The Ata Inyan Yaakov. So now we can understand what was Yaakov's whole intention you know, in uniting this transcendent light of Taihu with the, you know, vessels of Tikkun, Hanushi had tamid ratzai v'shubamu right? He was trying to, like, accomplish this ability to to have this balance, this this blend of both ratzai and shuv. Shilafi erach ratzai kena shuv, that, you know, commensurate with the person's ratzai should also be the shuv we should have both have that that passion that excitement that personal drive that 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 inspiration right that that desire to to separate right from from the the mundane life that, that we live right? but at the same time we should have the ability to then um um have that sense of mission and purpose of like bringing that into like a real practical um lifestyle Right? To have that sense of like, no, we have a mission, we have we have a purpose, we have a, a reason that we're we're living in this in this earth, right? In in our mundane lives. You know, that's that's what Hashem dictates, that's what Hashem wants us, you know, wants us to focus on. <laughs> Hashem you know, intends for us to bring our insight down here with Taramat. <laughs> that's what that's what this is all about. That's what the union of Tayyu and is really is really all about. Okay, so then the just just uh, we'll stop here just because we're <laughs> we've read a lot on side already, but just the ending here, um, he talks about how Yaakov specifically of all the Avais, represents this idea most most profoundly, and we see this in the fact that Avram um, has a son Yishmael, uh, right? Here, so he has one son who's not you know going on the right path. Yitzchak has a son Asaph, who's also not going on the right path. So we see that each of them, both Avram and Yitzchak, have one child. Um, that, that sort of embodies whatever characteristic they are, but within the realm of Klippa, right? So um, Avram is chesed, but it's pure chesed and pure chesed has the potential to, to be expressed in chesed of Klippa, right? Which is what yashmal is about. Yitzchak also, right? Yitzchak is pure Gevura, right? So when you're, when you're this one dimensional midah of just Gevura also has the potential to be, to be mis, you know, misrepresented, uh, Distorted, um, and that expresses itself in Asav. But Yaakov, all of his children are at tzaddikim, right? It's all you know, the twelve, the twelve Shvatim. And Yaakov, why is that? Because Yaakov is Teferis, right? Yaakov is this ability to blend opposites, to not just be in one mode, just chasa, just kavura. It's the ability to blend both together, and that's why he's he represents this ultimate completion, right? This ability to to, to bring. Um, um, to bring together these opposites of Chassegavro of Ratze and Shuv. Um and that's real like the ultimate the ultimate is is through Yaakov.
1: It seems like the theme of of this of this Mimer is as opposed to let's say as a continuation to what we were discussing about this idea in days, where we just were talking about how it, it is necessary for Aesov to go through Yaakov. Um it feels like in this my emphasizes the importance of like true synthesis, true synchronization of all the parts together and opening and, and not being stuck in one way and really having the sort of flexibility and openness. And that is sort of the path to how we truly refine the world is through an openness and a flexibility to synthesize everything together and not to be too stuck in just one way of doing things or in another way of doing things, but having obviously within the boundaries of halacha having the space to, um, integrate all different sorts of energies.
0: Right. Yeah. Also something I was thinking about with like, like, what what does this mean that, that Yasef has to be rectified, but only through, through Yaakov. Like Yaakov can't, he can't give it to Yaakov directly, he Directly, has, Yaakov has to kind of do it on his own, um, you know, I'm thinking, just going back to, like, of being about the Nefesh of and Yaakov being, you know, a, a, you know, personification of the Nefesh the Kiss, like, you know, in an ideal world, right, like I said, like, we, you know, we want to be able to, like, access all of our natural abilities and talents and, like, inclinations, you know, it's kind of like listening to your inner voice, you know, like, we wanna we wanna express ourselves freely. We wanna find our own, you know, um, you know what what I personally feel passionately about, or I personally identify with, and we wanna express that, like sort of un, unfiltered. Um, and and like in you know, I guess at this point in time, right, we're not like even though that part of ourselves is like contains this very powerful force right and and it's something which we needs to be utilized in our vidish HaShem. the only way we can access it right now is through our nephchil kiss right it needs to be guided very much by the framework of tiramesa the framework of halakha the framework of like what you know like we have to like we could only access that through listening to the voice of the nephchil kiss like it has to be guided by the nephchil kiss like we can't access the power that's contained in the Nefeshah Bahamis directly like we can only access it by like being in tune with what the Nefeshah Kiss wants what the Nefeshah Kiss is sort of telling us about what like our tr- tr- you know our true purpose is really about
1: um, we spoke about this um, when we were learning Adam of Mekem sort of just like the visual of the Nefeshah Bahamis sort of resides with and uh, the Nefeshah Kiss sort of resides within the Nefeshah Bahamis and the point is to make the Nefesha Bahamas sort of translucent to the Nefishelli Kiss so that the Nefishelli Kiss light is guiding the Nefesha Bahamas. And this way we are utilizing the tools of the Nefesha Bahamas, but they're being driven by the Nefesh Kiss.
0: Right. Like that that needs to be the driving force when yes. we're when we're going about this this, you know, unity of the two the two worlds. Yeah. Right.
1: Right, we're not descending to the world of the of the Nefesh HaBahamas, we're elevating it to the world of the Nefesh Kiss.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like you said, ultimately, when Mashiach comes, there's going to be this like reu- re- reuniting of ya- Yaakov and Asav, um, right? It's described in the Nubim. Um, And that's what represents, like, ultimately, Asav is going to be able to access the original source, right? Like, we're going to be able to see the power of the Nefesh HaBahamas, of the guf on its own. Um, but but now, like until we get to that point, it needs to be directed by the Nephichelicus.